The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I am the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy at 40 Strategy. We provide strategic planning, consulting to help organizations realize and achieve their dreams. Skip, basically, we help companies create strategic plans and measure the right KPIs for success. Unfortunately, most organizations only spend about 2% of their time, which is about equivalent to about 40 collective hours per year and building a strategy. And Skip, I think you think that's pretty crazy, right? I, I do. And so at 40 Strategy, your success is our passion. That's why organizations call us to help. Not only do we come up with strategy, but we help your teams with proven practices to get things done. Harvard research shows when you have the right KPIs, you can actually triple your success and who wouldn't want that skip. So with that, um, you can reach us at catch at four, catch like catch a ball at 40 strategy.com. You can also visit us at 40 strategy.com. Before we talk about Skip here, um, we'll do a little shout out to Dan Mube. Dan Mube is a, um, he's a executive coach in leadership and has a tremendous amount of leadership and abilities. He is the, uh, has helped out Technology Association of Oregon and Skip in particular come up with their strategic plan. And he also was a mentor of mine. And so I just want to say, uh, Dan, we look forward to you listening to this and just want to say you do a great job and, and thank you for all you do. So Skip Newberry, you are the president and CEO of the Technology Association of Oregon. You've been there for nearly a decade now. Uh, you've been the chairman of the board for the board of directors for the Technology Councils for North America. You've been actually on a mayor staff for economic development here in Portland. You're also the founder for Cyboom and Lawyer Prep. We both have roots going back uh, to the East Coast. You graduated from Colby College and you have your law degree from UConn, University of Connecticut. And Skip, Welcome. I, I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Skip, tell me a little bit more for the the those who are listening. What is the Technology Association of Oregon? So we're a regional tech trade association. <clears throat> Excuse me. Regional tech trade association. We operate in Oregon and Southwest Washington, and um, we work with about 500 tech and tech-enabled companies. Um, our vision is to create a world-class and inclusive innovation-based economy here in the Pacific Northwest that's powered by tech. So day-to-day, -day, our work is designed to help strengthen tech companies. Um, we do a lot around professional development, policy, and regulatory work, um, as well as things like storytelling and economic research and visibility for the companies. And then we design and develop new projects and programs where those need to be created to serve the companies that we work with. Wow. And so you told me something pretty crazy uh, as you got here. You told me that here in COVID world, 
2020, where it has obviously we've known has had a negative and positive impact, primarily more negative for a lot of organizations. Tell me correctly, what, what happened over the past year with your membership and, and give me a little bit more detail there. Yeah. So um, in, uh, in March of last year, when the pandemic hit, um, we ended up uh, pivoting pretty hard to all online event delivery and online member engagement. And we were lucky in that we had been piloting some, some new tools and platforms prior to that. So we were able to really uh, turn on a dime pretty quickly. We had a number of members on the team get recertified and, um, and certified in new areas in terms of online delivery and community management. And um, between March and end of the year um, of 2020, we ended up setting a new record in the 10 years I've been there. Uh, we had extraordinary membership growth, uh, about 180 new member companies between February and December of last year. And uh, our net revenue also, we set records, um, which is great. So a couple things nice. uh, <laughs> happened there. One was, um, we ended up having a decline in, in certain types of event sponsorship revenue, but um, our cost of delivery to do online events was like zero. And so our margins went through the roof and, um, and then you throw in on top of that, a lot of growth through membership and uh, we did really well. Wow, that congratulations. I, I don't know if you remember Skip, but when this all hit, I was scheduled to have an uh, in-person presentation and I think I was the very first person to actually do an online TAO event uh, for that was not scheduled. And so um, it's, it's funny how here we are nearly a year later, we're still here. So let's talk about that a little bit going forward. Yeah. Um, what's going on now and, and how are you trying to navigate the challenges? COVID's still real and present. Um, what are you trying to do, not only from an organization standpoint internally, but externally, how are you still trying to support and deal with the challenges that exist? Yeah, so we've shifted a bit. Uh, I mentioned a couple of our um, events and programs, folks getting new certifications and getting familiar with new delivery mechanisms online. A um, few others on the team, we've really shifted to more uh, content creation and looking at different ways to kind of suss out subject matter expertise from within our network and then sharing that and connecting in real time, member to member. And, um, and we do that through online platforms. The other thing is, is that for me personally, um, as of March, my days shifted to a lot of 15 to 20 minute phone calls with executive teams doing more consulting type work where it was assessing mm -hmm. what are the key challenges or opportunities that companies are facing in the moment? What information do they need to be successful? And, um, and then either connecting them to a resource or looking at collective opportunities and developing new programs based on those. So, um, there's myself, um, our, our, new, our COO, as well as a new hire we made for the Southern Willamette Valley. All three of us found that we were doing a lot more day-to-day uh, -day member touch points through video calls and traditional phone calls. And, and that really helped. Uh, there were a number of members that said, well, if we just do this like every other month or even quarterly, tremendous value. And um, you know that, that justifies membership in, in my mind. And so we found that we were doing some more work programmatically and it looked more like consulting even um, as opposed to just straight professional development and events. Um, so that was a good thing. It means that we as an organization, I think are emerging from this more resilient than when we went in. That's really interesting. I, I wasn't aware of all of the personal parts and, and if, uh, forgive me wrong, but it probably wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for Zoom to be able to so quickly get on people's calendars and just have really short meetings. Is that true or not true? What's your feelings on that? 
It is true. So some of the drivers, like we've been piloting some online engagement tools and online event delivery, but it never really took off. Of course, March forced everyone to go all in. And some people have been skeptical. They're like, oh, actually, this kind of works. Um, and then with the online member engagement platforms, we were able to facilitate real-time connections where we found that 50% of all activity was member co members connecting to members one-to-one -one is sort of a virtual directory. So it took us out of this uh, equation altogether. We can see it and track it from an engagement standpoint. We can intervene where necessary, but it allowed us to effectively um, you know, double our, uh, our capabilities without having to hire more people through technology. So we're, we're kind of eating our own dog food in a sense. Uh, you know, we're a tech association. We should be highly efficient and automated where it makes sense. Um, and it's a great example of how technology was able to make us better as a team and allow us to deliver higher value inputs when we were connecting with our members. It's so interesting that you talk about that, Skip. Um, when COVID hit for me and 40 strategy had got off the ground, things were going really well. And, but none of my clients were actually in the Portland area. I had clients in Chicago and Boston area, Virginia, Seattle, Long Beach, California. They're all on the board. And then all of a sudden I couldn't travel. Yep. And I, and, and of course there was this, I don't remember, there was kind of this like 45 day to 60 day of, oh crap, what do we do next? You know, type event that happened with a lot of different organizations. For me, it was, I know what I'm doing, but can I connect? And one of the things I was grateful for is I've been using Zoom for a long time, way before they were a publicly traded company. I've always loved the tool. The problem was other people didn't know how to use it. Yep. And and all of a sudden now, it took it took uh, probably 90 days, honestly, before everyone got good at it. But now it's not even a consideration. It's like, yep. oh, of course, of course, we're going to hop on Zoom. And I was just talking the other day with the... Um, the city of Sher it was Joe Gall, who's the, the, the uh, city manager for uh, Sherwood. And, you know, in the, in the past, I would have drove out there, which would have taken about an hour, had a meeting with him and then drove back, which would take another hour. I'm now saving that two hours I found for myself. I can actually increase, same thing, increase my, my client connections by like 50% to 100% compared to what is beforehand. And so yeah. um, I'm with you. I found this to be in many ways great. I'm still actually physically seeing some people, you know, some of my clients, but it's under appropriate conditions and, and where the right things are there. But uh, as I said, in many ways, it's turned into a blessing disguise for what I found, um, you know, things that I just never anticipated. You know, it's like, oh, wow, it skipped everything 10 years ahead, you know, from where we probably thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned that prior to prepping the call, you, you said there's, there's kind of three main areas that TIA is looking at some of the challenges. Tell me about what's going on there. Yeah, so we um, we did a little bit of a, a refinement of our um, strategic plan this past year and looking at how do we really kind of adjust to, again, reflect reality, but also think about recovery from COVID. And so we started to look at where activities were, were um, kind of like flowing. And we found that, of course, um, you know, delivering extraordinary member value is like our North Star, right? We're a member-based organization. Um, in terms of where the revenue comes from, we got to keep our members happy and coming back every year. And if we're able to deliver value through programs and initiatives and impact in the community, great, we're doing our job. And so we've been looking, like we just talked about, at different ways to automate and track and also measure the type of impact we're having, the types of engagement that we're having. And so that, that's a big focus of, of uh, what we're paying attention to right now, because we're also trying to be very 
uh, mindful of kind of where we are operationally and as a team. And we don't want to get too big uh, or try and grow in sort of a new direction without looking at the fact that things are very uncertain right now. So we want to be a little bit more uh, cautious in that respect. So having really great data and being able to look at, okay, what's worth measuring, what's not, that's where we are now on the member engagement side of things. And then if we look at one level of abstraction higher, because we work with member companies, um, our mission is strengthening those companies by all the professional development and work we're doing to connect them to the community and to resources. And so really looking at how do you characterize that work? Well, fundamentally it's about digital transformation and innovation. We do work with early stage startups on up to some of the biggest employers in the state, some of whom are not tech companies, pure tech companies. They have large IT teams, product teams, innovation teams, and those are the folks who we typically work with. So as these large organizations are seeking to digitally transform, private sector, even government, education uh, organizations, we're increasingly doing work in helping them use technology to become more competitive. And then with startups um, as well, and pure tech companies, where of course that's our bread and butter, we're gonna continue to do work there and helping them to scale, get the systems they want, hire the right people, get the access to capital they need, et cetera. And then one level of abstraction higher is economic competitiveness. So one thing that's top of mind for folks right now, everywhere, but especially here in the greater Portland area, in Oregon and Southwest Washington, is really how do we recover? Do we recover stronger and more resilient than we went in? And that goes for the sector, but it also goes for the state because technology is increasingly a horizontal layer, as I just mentioned, in a lot of organizations and sort of their overall health and competitiveness. And so if we can be helpful in aligning our education and academic institutions, our public sector and the regulatory environment in such a way that we're bringing all those resources to bear, to really focus around what a, a world-class inclusive innovation economy looks like, that's exciting. And so it's really the systemic or the systems level work that we're thinking of when it comes to that third level of our strategic initiatives. Hmm. So um, as we know, on a local level, um, like a lot of cities have had a lot of challenges. W what's happening with your members? W what do you, you know, like, I'll just do a, a practical example. You know, I, I was extraordinarily fortunate a couple of years ago to actually host a, a global conference downtown Portland. And it was one of those Chamber of Commerce days. You know, Mount Hood was showing, Mount St. Helens was showing. It was gorgeous. Clear day. It was one of those lucky, clear kind of April weeks where it's yep. just beautiful. Um, and now Portland looks a lot different. Um, and, and there's a lot of challenges we know and, and a lot of the stuff in the news. What's hap what is your member organization's what is their concerns? What's the concerns of having meetings downtown in the future? What's going on in the minds of, of you and, and the member organizations and, and what do you think is gonna happen? Maybe add on yeah. top of that. I mean, th this could be like an hour long discussion alone, but <laughs> there, there's some great stuff here. I think a lot about it. Um, and you know, I think there's a few things at play. One is talent is more mobile than ever, especially in mm -hmm. tech. And mm -hmm. that's both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing in that we have been a place that's benefited from that immigration because relatively high quality of life, relatively low cost of living compared to other major metros on the West Coast. And also that uh, sort of vibrant aspect of Portland's um, neighborhood business districts and restaurants and culture and, and all of that. Well, that latter part that I just mentioned is kind of invisible right now or it's suffering, right? And so without that adding to the mix, we're competing on quality of life with like Denver Boulder and Austin and um, 
you know, places like Salt Lake, even Nashville, South Florida, these are all areas that have relatively um, low cost, um, great quality of life in some respects, and also really friendly business environments when it comes to personal and business taxes. Mm. Now, we're not particularly strong on that last point, and um, companies are increasingly paying close attention to what their costs are, both at the individual level, um, in terms of uh, individual employees and income taxes, affordable housing, et cetera, is there enough? And, um, and so we've had some companies over the last year um, shift workers elsewhere. Um, so mm -hmm. there was one uh, Silicon Valley-based company had almost 400 employees in downtown Portland. They shifted the bulk of them to Montreal. Um, wow. And uh, there was you know uh, another um, couple of examples. I won't cite specific company names, but you know moved divisions out of Portland. Uh, others are remote right now, and they're growing. A lot of our, our member companies are growing, but many of them are growing where people are located. And with remote work, they're just onboarding them and saying, no, you don't have to relocate to the area. You just you know, continue to live and work where you are, and you're now part of the company. So the companies are able to benefit from access to greater talent and more diverse talent, which is great. So the companies are becoming more diverse and stronger. Now, medium term... That could mean that there's a draw to Portland if we're able to keep, and Oregon, if we're able to keep those companies headquartered here, because if they want to grow their careers, there's still a draw to be part of the headquarters. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing we're paying attention to. And then um, another is, as we look at sort of the cost of doing business, yes, we have relatively high taxes, but are there ways that government can deliver more value for that investment? And more and more people, residents and businesses that I'm talking to are increasingly looking for that ROI and saying, where is it? So there's gonna be a lot more pressure and higher expectations on government, state and local to deliver. Um, yeah. And if we, if they can, you know, if we can, you know, reduce transactional friction for companies and for residents trying to get access to critical services, maybe it works out. So there's this little bit of a level set that needs to happen, I think. And but finally, I'll say that people are really looking at ways they can help both mm -hmm. those who need help right now. Um, you know, so parts of the community where they're like raising their hand, hey, you know, I'm not doing so well. Companies, mm -hmm. individuals are like, hey, I want to get involved. I want to help. Right now, there's no clear vision, as I can tell, at the state and local levels when it comes to here is aspirationally where we're headed. And it's broad enough to include a variety of different businesses and sectors, traded sector, service sector. Instead, it's, there's a lot of paying attention to here are the problems it faces. Well, yes, you got to recognize the problems, but then you need to also say, and here is this vision. Here's where we're all going towards. There's hope you know, down the road if we all get behind this idea. And then the third part is, and here's the plan. In the short term, this is what you can expect from you know, these players, and this is how you get involved. And then beyond that, we're going to build to this next stage. And it's those last two pieces that are kind of absent. So people are kind of struggling a little bit. They're like, okay, what, what comes next? We get there are problems, but so. You're right. We can talk about this a long time. Maybe we will have a whole other section just about this. Um, Thank you. Thanks for your insight on that, though. I, I did not. I learned definitely some elements what you said about how people are hiring and, and just do the flexibility of, of working remotely. People are able to take advantage of that and they're not even necessarily moving or they even necessarily move away. Right. Of, of joining areas. Um, but that long term strategic planning at a. 
vision and government level and actually seeing action. Uh, wow. So, so that's, as I said, that's, that's an interesting conversation. I know we, I, yeah. I was involved with the legislative uh, review you had um, with the state and I'm anyway, super curious. Um, yep. So we will, we will touch more on that later. Um, let, let's flip this a little bit and, and you've had some really interesting career elements. Um, tell me about, um, you're working with startups. You've, you've been involved with two startups on a personal basis. How does that help you out with uh, working with your member, you know, companies that you have? Just give me some example of where that that elements and does it help? Does it not help? You know, do you have better empathy, sympathies for what they're going through? And and share how you can help give them advice. As I said, it's really interesting that you're you're t- talking with a lot of different leaders of 15, 20 minute pops. Yeah. Give me some insights behind how that works. Yeah, so it definitely helps. And, and this is something I saw when I was working um, in the public sector doing economic development as well, is that looking at different economic development agencies around the U.S., some of the more successful ones like NYC EDC, it's kind of the equivalent to Prosper Portland in New York City. They have this like culture, it's a flywheel, right, where um, you have people coming in and out of the private sector, public sector, et cetera, throughout their career. And, um, and that they bring with them networks and connections and the ability to, you know, get stuff done faster and also bring in leverage, right? So, you know, if uh, you as a, an elected official is trying to say, okay, I have this vision for what we want to do, we can't do it alone in the public sector, you know, how do we inspire others and, and kind of connect the dots and get other people involved? That's where an economic development agency that understands how businesses work and operate, how they're incentivized to participate in things. And, um, and sort of the, the nuts and bolts of it is helpful. And so I would say that having been in the trenches and experienced a lot of what startups go through is definitely helpful. And I find it's true in this work as well, um, of course. And it also builds an element of trust. Um, like some of the, I, I was involved in a total of probably four different startups and um, over the years and, and some were successful, some were not. And you know, uh, being able to connect with someone who's going through similar things on a certain level is important. And then, of course, since I worked at the city and then today, you know, the the deal flow, if you will, the number of companies that I'm talking to, the problems that I see on a daily and weekly basis, there's a, a depth of knowledge and experience, not necessarily for me personally, but that I've kind of seen secondhand uh, in this work with a lot of people who are constantly going through the same issues. Seems like you got a good book ahead of you, uh, Skip, to, to work on, you know, <laughs> from, from all the experiences that you've seen. Um, and that especially, you know, with the local angle, I think I think you have some incredible stories. So on, on a we talked about how you've measured success at TAO. How about in your personal life? How, how do you measure success? Um, what what are the things that you're doing to. Um, so, you know, you're at your all and you're doing your best. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say that I've been looking at things like uh, overall health and wellness. Um, and I think COVID is, for those who weren't looking at those metrics before, is really kind of shown a spotlight on it for some. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something that I, I pay attention to. I've, I've been looking at like energy levels during the day and what are the things over the years that impact that will I find that if I exercise daily, it really helps. Um, and then also, you know, I've been looking at things like, uh, from a success standpoint, the amount of time I spend with the family. Um, and so, you know, am I present? That's kind of my latest mm-hmm. slice or layer that I'm focused mm-hmm. on. And so I've been, as of this year, starting to do a journal, uh, five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, 
a series of questions. Um, you know, what would make today great? Uh, you know, what, what's one thing I could have changed at the end of the day that I could have done better? Um, and also what am I grateful for? And then like a little affirmation type thing. Um, and what I'm trying to do is then look monthly at different trends. Like what are the things that made me happiest? What was I most grateful for at the end of the day? Are there trends that emerge? And, um, and that's allowing me to, I think, focus on small stuff and be present for it more um, and celebrate it in a lot of cases. Um, so that, that's been something I've been working on more recently. And then um, the other thing that I look at from a personal standpoint is um, the impact I can have. And this has been a driver of mine over the last two decades. Um, people are like, why do you do what you do? Like, so I can have the biggest possible impact on people's lives. And I've thought for a long time that, you know, working with entrepreneurs and people who are building organizations, um, there's no better sort of audience uh, to work with if you truly want to have an impact. So it's a be the multiplier, essentially. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I I, first of all, I love those. There's some great suggestions you had from writing the journal um, that common of being present. It's something I struggle with uh, on a regular basis because I could physically be at home with my family and they'll ask me a question and it, I, yeah. <laughs> it didn't happen. You know, what I mean? it, just, it just went completely past me. And and I'm not proud of this, uh, by the way. Sorry, family, uh, if you're listening to this. But yeah, I think being aware, you know, being aware when we're like that, you know, when, and and that's, that's tr- getting closer to what real success is, is being you know, physic not just physically present, but mentally present and and uh, being engaged. Yep. You know, they have concepts of being engaged with employees, right? Uh, being engaged at home, uh, and so uh, kudos to you for for caring about that and going through that. So we're we're gonna wrap up here. Um, one thing I want you to leave with our guest is, so what what current book are you reading or recently read that you have to share with others that they got to read this? So this past weekend, I dove into uh, my latest, which is uh, B 2.0. Um, it's the latest uh, version of, of a Collins book that is kind of a seminal classic. I see good to great behind you. Um, another great one. Uh, but this is one that uh, was one of the earlier ones that he, he did. And um, and I, I was not aware of it, it turns out, and um, was uh, was provided a copy. And I was like, oh, this is this is really awesome. So I'm only a few chapters in, but I would highly recommend it just based on those few chapters. It, it's uh, it's going to be a good book. Um, awesome. Yeah. And something else? Is there something else you're going to say there? No, no, that's it. I also read some fiction. Um, so I've also been trying to like go back and uh, and kind of mix it up. And I've been trying to like look at what are books that people have talked about that are classics that I've never read. So I read Lonesome Dove uh, in late December wow. finally. Um, so yeah, I've missed. I have gaping holes in my literary knowledge that I'm trying to fill. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, that, that's. I think it's always humbling. Like we in the business section, I'm sure you and I could feel pretty good, you know, of like what we've read. And but then you like just look up if you're at a bookstore and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't read so much. Yes. So yeah, there's always if you ever like think you know anything, just walk into a library or bookstore. You know, you, you realize we know very little. Um, this has been awesome, Skip. I, I, I was excited to get you on and to talk, and you exceeded uh, like always. You exceed expectations. Can you, uh, just for um, people who may be interested in learning more about Technology Association of Oregon, can you tell them how to reach out and how to get connected? Certainly. Uh, So we have a website, techoregon.org. We have a lot of our events and programs and initiatives there, as well as contact info, Um, Twitter, Skip Newberry, and um, and also LinkedIn. 
uh, uh, frequently posting. So that's another great way to get in touch. Perfect. Skip, it's been a pleasure and, and you'll be look forward to uh, sharing stories with you again in the future. As I said, I think we might have a podcast or two ahead of us that we're going to tackle some issues. Maybe we'll have to get a forum and get some more people involved. But uh, thank you so much. It's been great. And um, with that, this is the Measure Success podcast. This is Carl J. Cox interviewing great uh, leaders and hearing their stories to measure success. And with that, have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.